0: Denver Sports presents the Mile High Hockey Podcast with Mike Evans, presented by Fort Comfort Gutters. Now, here's your host with the latest on the burgundy and blue, Mike Evans. Hey, everybody. Welcome into the Mile High Hockey Podcast. I am Mike Evans, and as we sit here right now talking, the avalanche in what I believe, and I think what Jared Bednar would agree, is their best stretch of hockey of the season, 8-1-1 in their last 10 games. And while the Avalanche have had some other streaks of good hockey or at least winning hockey during the season, there's something about this recent heater that they've been on that seems to indicate, at least in the eyes of Jared Bednar, that this is the best they've played all season. So why? What makes this one different? Well, I think a couple things. First of all, before they went into this stretch of, of six games playing the likes of the Islanders and um, Florida, Boston, Dallas, Vegas, Toronto. Before they started this stretch, Bednar himself said, this is a big, big challenge for us. It's a big test for us to see where we are as a hockey team. So the fact that they're playing so well during it, that's one reason why Bednar likes this stretch of hockey so much. The other thing that's been been obvious in listening to to Bedzie is that he feels like maybe for the first time this season, the team has found a buy-in commitment. Now, there, there's two ways of looking at this. There's one is saying, well, you know, I'm really happy with the hockey team, and I don't think that we have many flaws. There aren't that many holes to fill. That's not what I've heard from Jared Bednar over the last few games. I think he would be honest with you and say that there's still some issues. There's still some concerns. There's still some ways to upgrade this hockey team. But put that aside for a second it's the way that this current team is playing that there is more of a buy in more of a commitment he talked at length about how i really like my checking game he's uh, he said this after the last couple of games i really like our checking game i like the way how we got into our opponents um i like the force with which we played i like the the buy in the commitment so when you hear a coach talking like that you you can you can see that he believes that the team is forming a bit of an identity and that you know, for the first half of the season. Remember, we just passed the halfway mark of this season that that was something that he felt this team was searching for. That even while there were some stretches of good hockey, winning hockey, maybe he never felt like there was that true sense that everybody was buying into the way that they needed to play, the effort, the work ethic, all that. So during this stretch of hockey, uh, I've sensed in in listening and watching Bednar after games talk is that he – he likes the way his team has responded to this stretch of tough opponents. He likes the fact that there is a consistency now to their game, to their work ethic. And I think the third thing that has him enjoying this recent stretch of hockey is that when you have about 36 games as a backdrop to compare to, when you feel like things are clicking this deep into the season now. As we pass the midway point of the season, you feel like, okay, we've gone through ups and downs in our season, and we're at a point now where we're learning enough about our hockey team, we're adjusting, we're figuring some things out, um, some continuity is being formed, and now you see us playing some of our best stretch of hockey. So we'll see what happens with it. They now are getting ready. As we talk right now, where they're getting ready to head out on the road, and they're going to be on the road for a big stretch of hockey. Basically, over the next month, they're going to be on the road most of the time. And it's interesting that when they come off this real heavy road-dominated stretch of games, we're only going to be a couple of months—or excuse me, a couple of weeks—away um, from the trade deadline. So, the, where the Avalanche are right now, it's not about points. It's not about spots in the division, it's not about where they, they rank in the in the conference, that stuff will take care of itself. I don't worry about that. But where, where this team is at right now, it's kind of like we're, we're gathering data. You know, it's a fact-finding expedition that we're on right now. And whether it's this six-game stretch of good opponents or it's this big stretch of road games coming up, it's a great opportunity to find out what we have as a hockey team, what we like, what we don't like, what we have as a strength, what might be a weakness that we have to go out and uh, adjust to? And it's going to be a fun next couple of months uh, because with the trade deadline coming up around, I think it's March 8th for the NHL trade deadline, you're starting to hear some of the names. You're starting to hear some of the names that are out there. Matt Smith and I talked the other day on this Mile High Hockey podcast about um, Lindholm, uh, the possibility of him being out there. You're starting to hear some other names, possibility, of uh, uh, as teams start to get to that point, that realization that you know we're not going to be a playoff team or we're a borderline playoff team, hey maybe we're looking to trade off some pieces. So the Avalanche figure to be active. Um, you know this this is a case where as much as I like the way the Avalanche are playing, I I, I kind of have to to separate it because man, I love the way the Avalanche their top guns are playing. I love the way their core is playing. Just the, the utmost admiration for the way that their best players are playing, they're bringing it seemingly every night, and they're really carrying this hockey team. Still have questions about the supporting cast. Those of you who've been watching this podcast throughout the course of the season, that hasn't changed. I still wonder if they have enough of a supporting cast to be able to go win a Stanley Cup. Ryan Johansson has seen his minutes just gutted. And I, I, I think back to when Ryan Johansson was, was brought here, And there was this automatic uh, reaction that that tends to follow pretty much every Avalanche move out there among Avalanche media and some of you fans that every move that the Avalanche make is a great move. Every move the Avalanche make is going to be great. And I remember when they made the Johansson trade, folks were saying, we got our second-line center. We got our our, our 2C now. We found our guy to replace Kadri. And I'm just like, really? Really, this is the guy that's going to make us forget about Nazem Kadri. This is going to be the second-line center on a team that's going to compete for and hopefully win a Stanley Cup. A team, a guy that Nashville, where he'd been for years, that knew him the best, was willing to move on from him, willing to move him to a division opponent, and eat part of his salary. Uh, That kind of set up a red flag for me. So now we're watching Ryan Johansson play at a level that you know, quite frankly, isn't going to cut it. And once again, the Avalanche are in that position of trying to find that second line center. So uh, they got some work to do. They got some work to do. Because while while I like the way they're playing right now, it's not about winning the Central Division. It's not about finishing uh, with home ice for the first round of the playoffs. It's not about having the best record in the West. I really, truly don't care about that stuff. Because if the Avalanche are built right, then come playoff time, whoever they play, wherever they play, it won't matter. Um, conversely, they could, they could have a top seed. And there are still issues with this hockey team. As I look at their ability to win a Stanley Cup, I, I can't stress this enough. This is not about what it takes to reach 100 points. This is not what it takes to win the division. This is not what it takes to be one of the top three teams in the West. It's about what it takes to win a Stanley Cup. And I know what a Stanley Cup winning team does. You know what a Stanley Cup winning team does because it's fresh in our memory from just a couple of years ago. And does anybody out there, loyal viewer, think that we're looking at a team right now that is a Stanley Cup winner? I don't. So there's, there's still work to be done. But they're playing well. They're playing hard. And it's resulting right now in good hockey. The other thing, I wrote about this at denversports.com. Want to want to give a uh, stick tap to uh, Devontae's because you, you talk about leadership. You talk about culture. What does it look like? What does it feel like? Devontae's who stepped in as the um, de facto captain with Gabe Landeskog out. More on him in a second. But think about, and it's not a coincidence. It just isn't. The avalanche on this 8-1-1 one, one run that they're on began immediately following that December 19th loss to the Chicago Blackhawks in Chicago. The lowly Blackhawks. Avalanche lost that game. That point dropped the record to 19-14-2. and two. Nothing special. And Tays called out the team. Well, not the whole team, but said, we got guys here who aren't playing the way they're supposed to. We got guys who aren't playing up to the standard that this Avalanche organization has. He even went so far as to say there are 14 guys that are doing it right, six aren't. And those are those are the kind of comments that whenever somebody makes it, Makes them, you're always like, ooh, how are they going to be received? Is this going to cause a problem in the locker room? Is it going to cause a riff? Is it going to cause a division? And did he go too far? Was he too honest? Clearly, and I was never worried about it when he first said the comments, and it's been backed up with the way they've been playing. When a guy like Devontae, who's a, a terrific player, but more importantly is so respected, so respected as a pro, so respected as a leader, not a big talking guy, but one of those guys that if he's going to say something like that, he must really mean it, and if he's going to say it, we better pay attention, we better listen, and we better do something about it. I'll I, I tell you, it's why when you look at the most successful teams and we talk about culture and we talk about leadership – I think one one of the biggest mistakes that are made is the idea that it has to come from the coach. Yeah, the coach can put in sort of the, the the parameters of what he wants the the culture to look like, but that's a living, breathing thing. And if you think it's just simply a matter of the coach taking these athletes, like wind up, you know, wooden soldiers, toy soldiers, and getting them to do the coach's bidding, it doesn't work that way. Sure, the coach can say, this is what I want the culture to look like, but it has to be implemented by the players. And put it this way. If Jared Bednar, after that same loss to Chicago. Had come out and said exactly what Tave said. Are you convinced the Avalanche go on an 8-1-1 one, one run? After that, I'm not. No knock on Bednar, but he's a coach. It means so much more when it comes from a player. A leader. The de facto captain. And so, is it a coincidence that following those comments, the Avalanche have gone 8-1-1? and Nope. To me, it's direct cause and effect. Direct cause and effect. And for that, Devon Taves, hey, Nathan McKinnon is their MVP. Nathan McKinnon should be the league's MVP. But right now, I think Devon Taves and his role in what this season has become, or at least the patch that we're in right now, might be the the second most important Avalanche out there behind Nathan McKinnon. Uh, last thought, Gabe Landeskog. I got mixed feelings about watching Gabe out on the ice skating uh, the other day. On one hand it's awesome, right? Who who can't wait for that day when Gabe Landeskog is back playing for the Avalanche. Terrific two-way player, leader. My goodness, what a what a uh, absence. His 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 absence has been felt. But I just kind of wonder what the message is being delivered and how it should be received by Avalanche fans. Gabe Landeskog got on the ice. The Avalanche came out and said when he had, uh, b- before the season began, that he would be out for the regular season. The Avs recently have said they're, quote, cautiously optimistic that he could return by the playoffs. When he was out on the ice for the little twirl, Jared Bednar afterwards said this was all part of the plan. All right, so what is the plan, and, and what's the message being sent here, and how should Avalanche fans react to it? In some respects, I don't know if as fans are being treated fairly here, and let me explain. Because if Gabe Landeskog, who is on long-term injured reserve, if he comes back just for the playoffs, fine. You don't have to worry about his salary. Nothing has to be done. You're good. But you're telling me for a guy who hasn't played in two full years with a injury that no and an operation that no NHL player has ever come back from yet. You're telling me the first time he plays is going to be in the playoffs. Really? That seems unrealistic. That seems unfair. And but from a salary standpoint, you could do it that way. But if you say, well, wait a minute, if he's close to coming back, wouldn't it be good to maybe let him have like 10 games or so during the end of the regular season to kind of get you know back into the flow so he's ready to go 100% or, or uh, 100 miles an hour for the playoffs? Sure, you could, but for a guy who's on long-term injury uh, reserve, if you bring him back during the regular season, you got you to gotta cut players. You got to cut salary. Or the other thing is... Are you telling your fan base, "Hey, there's a possibility Gabe could come back, and if he comes back before the regular before the regular season's over, it impacts our ability to go out and make moves, make trades, add payroll for the rest of the season." So, is this the cynic in me? Sorry, cynical me, but it, it, it's me. Um, part of the cynic in me is that. Well, by dangling that carrot that Gabe could return, does that give the front office a pass, ownership a pass, to not have to go out and spend more money as we approach the trade deadline? Um, Because otherwise, you know, I kind of feel for Avalanche fans. You went through this last year. Is he or is he not? Is he going to play? He's out there on the ice. He's... Going through drills. Hey, it he looks pretty good. Is he going to be able to play? Oh, it would be so great to have Gabe back. Oh, he's not coming back. Oh, bummer. We want to do that again? You want to do that again? And get as fans thinking, hoping that maybe Gabe can come back and he can't? It's kind of, I don't know. It's just, it just, it. Gabe is so popular. He he creates so much emotion among Avalanche fans that you're, you're kind of putting as fans through the emotional ringer a little bit. You did it last year ago. He might be doing it again. And I I just don't think it makes sense for for Gabe to come back this year. If 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 he can come back, then he's got to come back and play in the regular season and show that he's ready for the playoffs. That is just that is just unfair and unrealistic to expect a guy who hasn't played in two years that he's just gonna jump right into playoff hockey and be ready to go with the injury he's had. Plus, the other thing you gotta think about, too, that you know, as much as Gabe may want to come back, as much as you may want Gabe to come back. There is the matter that after this season, you still have five years and about $35 million left on his contract. This isn't like, you know, hey, Russ, we need you to play financial ball with us. Otherwise, we're going to bench you or cut you. You know, you can't do that in hockey like you can as easily in football. So you got to think about the investment. Gabe's got to think about his career. I, I love seeing Gabe back on the ice, and I love dreaming about the idea when he's back, Full speed, charging up and down the ice, hair on fire, glorious hair on fire. By the way, uh, going 100 miles an hour, but it just seems to me like it's unrealistic for him to be able to come back and do it this year. And I don't know if it makes a whole lot of sense to um, to put Avalanche fans, um, you know, through this emotional uh, roller coaster again. Is he or is he not? That'll do it for uh, this week's version of the uh, Mile High Hockey Podcast. A lot of stuff. Happy with his team. They had it on the road, and we'll chronicle their uh, road adventures uh, coming up next week. Have a great weekend.